friends. Your host, Billy Dean Shoemate III here. Welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. And uh, yeah, I'm very happy to be back. We had uh, one episode just came out. Well, by the time when I'm recording this, it just came out. It's been about a week for you. But I'm, I'm happy to be back. It's good to take your breaks. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to relax during the break. So for those of you who uh, <laughs> were miffed that I took a break, you definitely got your payback. It was one of those where you spend gobs and gobs of money and you don't really get to enjoy anything. I saw the inside of airports and hotels and that was it. That was one of those things that as an adult, you just have to do from time to time. I did not enjoy it. So yeah, that, that was the reason for the break. I wish it had never happened <laughs> because I had some cool ideas, including this one. What is the Loveland Frogman, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Today, we're going to travel to Ohio on strange places. Many a strange place in Ohio. One area in particular is home to the Loveland Frogman, Ohio's most famous cryptid. Now, what is the Loveland Frogman? Imagine <laughs> imagine if Kermit the Frog got a taste for, like, bath salts. <laughs> That's terrible. And decided to go, you know, deliverance on uh, an entire town. Full banjo crescendo, okay? It's uh, it's crazy. The Loveland Frog. This is one of the weirdest cryptids I've ever heard of. One of the strangest. Just most Everything about it is bizarre. It's known as the Loveland Frogman, Loveland Lizard. It's a rather novel folklore icon in Ohio. Oh, and, and before we get way into it, if you're hearing any uh, uh, air conditioning sounds in the background, if it's very obvious, I'm going to try my best to mix it out. But you guys know about this heat wave that's been going on. I live in western Kentucky, and even it's, it's just murder. I'm sorry, guys. I, I have to have the AC on. I'll try to mix it out as best I can. So if it distracts you, I apologize. I'm going to tell you ahead of time. But this frog, okay, let's get back to it. <laughs> it's a humanoid toad or frog that prowls the melancholic nights, I would say, of Loveland, Ohio. It's very romantic there. I don't know why. Loveland just has this vibe. Lives up to its name. The creature, I've been through Loveland, Ohio. The creature supposedly, it stands upright, about four feet. It's been the subject of a lot of debate. Is it real? Is it a frog or a toad? What happened in 1972, which we'll get at? More importantly to some old-timers, was uh, any kind of bathtub moonshine involved in this? We'll see. University of Cincinnati folklore professor Edgar Slotkin compared the Loveland frog to Paul Bunyan, the creature gaining certain notoriety as a folk legend in the same vein as, you know, Paul Old Stormalong, Chupacabra. Slotkin studied the phenomenon and even graphed the sightings. He noted that the stories... What's, what's interesting is the stories have not only been passed down through generations, but most reports of the Frogman come in pretty predictable cycles. And I'm, I know we're dealing with the, kind of the law of averages here and stuff like that, but if you look at the table as far as like when a Loveland sighting is going to come out, 
it's pretty pretty convincing <laughs> it's that this guy is mapped out okay here's this is when one's about to pop up she raises an eyebrow so the loveland frogman can be traced back to post-war era back to the 50s did i say 50s i did didn't i back to the 50s gee whiz stories started popping out tales that differed slightly from one another about a massive frog causing all kinds of manner of mischief and scaring the hell out of people. Urban legends that seem far-fetched but are incredibly exciting and kind of fun to spread, honestly. Like the Mothman, Chupacabra, the Loveland Frogman has more or less become an icon of an era. An era where UFOs were becoming a thing. Pulp sci-fi movies were hot. America's youth was starting to envision what Woodstock and all those psychedelics might do to their system. Right? The tales start off more or less the same. It was a May 5th evening. A businessman, or a traveling salesman, or a Bible seller, or a resident, yeah, this is how the story goes, was by his lonesome self along a dark, unnamed road. The story starts to... Uh, unmanned, sorry. I can't read my own freaking notes. Here the story starts to diverge. Really? It starts to diverge at this point? Okay. So any story that starts off with, I don't know if it was a businessman, it could have been a traveling salesman, oh wait, I heard it was a Bible seller, but my aunt says it was a resident. Come on. It's not looking good already. Three distinct retellings right off the bat. In one story, the motorist is heading out on the Branch Hill neighborhood. Uh, He's heading out of that very small area. It's hard to describe. It's a blink-and-you-miss-it kind of section of Loveland. He shines his car's headlights on the huge figures, the trio erected on their hind legs, and just stood up in the middle of the road. The man honked his horn. The figure perks up. They twist their necks around. All three look at the driver with leathery skin and frog faces. The other version goes like this. The motorist spots the creatures under the Loveland Bridge, under the bridge. One of many ton of them over there. Going over the little Miami River, he honks the horn. The creature shot out from under the bridge. One lands on his hood and croaks. Driver passes out. Yeah, jumps up in the air, lands on the guy's hood. Version 3. Uh, these are very drastically different. <laughs> Same bridge. Motorist pulls over. He gets out of his car and spots the creatures. All three of them are conversing animately. The driver calls out to them. One of the Loveland frogmen gets up, points his finger at his friends in the universal gesture of put a sock in it, right? Turns to the bothersome human intruder. He holds out a wand, like this little magic wand, over its head. He flicks the apparatus and sparks come out of the end of the thing. The motorist hauls ass and drives away. Like those three variants, there are a lot more, (laughs) but these are the three main ones. The motorist can become a gang of hell's angels. The traveling salesman is really a college student and his girlfriend out at the makeout point. You see where we're diving into some weird territory here? And I'm not just talking about the frog, man. These stories diverge uh, (laughs) about as far as any three stories can diverge, right? They are so drastically different. And that is concerning. Because if you look at stories about alien abductions or people that have seen Bigfoot or people like this, I'm not, you know, listen to the episodes on those things if you want to hear what we've, the verdict that we've arrived to on those things. 
So I'm not going to get into that. But what I'll say is, at the very least, those stories, certain ghost stories, stuff like that, at least they're consistent. Right? They vary slightly. Look at what happened at Roswell. Stories vary wildly. But 80% of them are completely consistent. That that means something. Does that prove it? No. But that's a hell of a good place to start. And the Frogman story doesn't start there. It just doesn't. Those are three very, very different accounts. And when I was, I really dove into this one, man. I did my homework on this one, boy. I watched two documentaries. I talked to somebody that lives in the area. I looked up articles. I wrote my notes. I mean, I really dove in. And uh, from the resident that lives in that area still, I'm not going to give out names. I'm not sure if she'd want me to say her name because it's a small area. But she said that when she was growing up, she had heard that it was a hitchhiker. (laughs) Don't you think if something this bizarre happened that this crazily out of the ordinary there would be some kind of consistency there that seems like the only thing that's consistent is someone saw a frog that's it but it doesn't stop there on the 3rd of March 1972 at 1am the Loveland Police Department uh, they marched into more madness Officer Ray Shockey Shockley? Shockey there's no L in there sorry Officer Ray Shockey was gliding his car on Riverside Drive near the Totes Boot Factory in the Little Miami River when a suspicious animal ran across the road in front of his vehicle. He braked his car, hit the steering wheel, looked on. The animal, now fully illuminated, and his patrol car's headlights blinked at Shockey, who was having a meltdown. (laughs) Right? He was in utter shock. He saw this figure, this frogman, that the people have been talking about. Right? Framed in the lamp of the, the headlights stood the frogman himself. Itself. Leathery skin, bright eyes, tongue ready to catch a fly the size of a fucking Volkswagen. Shockey reported the sighting and stated, It's crouched like a frog. Before he could ask the amphibian if he, what, you know, anything, <laughs> what would you ask something like that, right? The creature climbed over the guardrail and jumped into the river. But not before, leaving very deep gouges in the metal as it ran away. With its claws, teeth, well, we don't know, but there were gouges. He did report. See, this was, so, so, you know, two weeks after, I'll go to that. A second police officer did Shockey a solid and reported seeing an unidentified animal, similar in height and facets near the same road. Matthew... Uh, Matthews, rather. That was the second police officer's name. A man that wasn't known to overthink things, a guy with a really good reputation. He came out of his car, guns a-blazing, shot the animal right between the eyes, double-tapped it. Just to be certain, the Loveland Frogman was on, you know, was could, could be dragged back into town, right? That's what anybody intelligent would do. That's what I always wonder about the cryptid sightings. And if you want to prove this thing is real, bag one, right? He dragged the body into his car. He wanted to show Shockey this catch of the day, right? 
According to Matthews, it was an iguana, three to three and a half feet long. He didn't immediately pinpoint the creature's ID because it was missing its tail, which uh, I actually looked it up. This is common because he said that uh, the iguana was kind of sickly looking and didn't have his tail. That's why it was confusing. Which uh, (laughs) an iguana, most of their fat deposits are actually in their tail. And there are certain illnesses that can cause an iguana to lose its tail. It's a thing. It either got loose or was released when it grew too large, he said. Could have been a pet. Matthew showed Shockey the animal, showed Shockey confirmed. Shockey confirmed that it was what he saw out there in the dark that day. But later he said he said it to just shut the police force up, that he knew what he saw and it was a giant frog. But he confirmed the iguana story because he didn't want to be ridiculed. If you didn't want to be ridiculed, why'd you report it in the first place? <laughs> right? It's kind of like the first story. One of the first stories, the, the th- one of the things that bugs me. So you're driving down the road bridge that goes over the, you know, Miami River. What, what the hell is this river called again? <laughs> uh, let's see. What was the name of that river? It's in Ohio. What's it called? Little Miami River. That's that's kind of odd. <laughs> but okay, so you're driving down the road over Little Miami River, right? And this guy, one of the stories is three of them were having a conversation on the road. One of them had a magic wand. They all turned to look at him and they looked at each other like, quit talking. You saw all this? 50 feet away in a moving car? How'd you know they were having a conversation? Their backs were to you. See? There's a lot of this that don't make sense. This guy says he saw a frogman, but he goes, no, it was just an iguana without its tail. You mean to tell me you can't tell the difference between a four-foot frog and an iguana? This is, uh, it's a weird one, like I said. The Loveland Frogman seems to have a... uh, (laughs) Kind of an odd schedule. Why? Because he, she, it has a nasty habit of making the scene in Ohio than uh, most Instagram celebs. I mean, this thing knows when to pop up, which is a kind of weird, too. Sightings of them are everywhere. A great deal of them hoax or kids sampling the Frogman's, you know, just wanting to be a part of that legend. A lot of people have been caught trying to hoax things. Are these hoaxes that just haven't been caught? I don't know. We'll see. Huh? Sightings of the creature have inspired all manner of folk tales and urban legends to the point that old Froggy actually has a yearly festival in his name. And then we have, I I swear you're going to think I'm making this up. I I promise you I'm not. It just, it, it gets weirder. And I promise I'm not making this up. Look it up. The 2016 Pokemon incident. Yes. That, hear me out. Okay, (laughs) in August of 2016, the whole outlandish chronology of the Loveland Frogman took yet another turn into the land of the completely wacky. A local Cincinnati TV station reported that a night of fun turned into a chilling tale of horror. Well, we'll just see how chilling and horror this was. What happened was the, the news kept talking about this harrowing experience two teenagers had just lived through. So two Pokemon Go enthusiasts were out hunting a Pikachu 
Yes, I'm, I'm not making this up. Between Loveland Road and Lake Isabella. And the news report states that while they were out there hunting a Pikachu in the middle of the night, for some reason, they saw it. The kids claimed that a giant frog near the lake stood up and walked on its hind legs. They panicked, tried to get some video of it. And uh, yeah, we, we have some video of it. We have a very blurry, grainy photo that does not show us much. So they snapped a couple of photos of it. It still looks like it was <clears throat> light enough outside to be able to see kind of what was going on. You can see the reflection of the eyes, which is not an uncommon with toads and frogs that are more nocturnal. Their eyes do glow when exposed to even the tiniest bit of light. So that's not entirely unusual, which is this is kind of a hallmark of the Loveland frog anyway, that its eyes glow or reflect light, I should say. So while it was still somewhat kind of light enough outside to get a de well, decent quote unquote photograph, they get a photo of the frog man. Once it gets really dark, which uh, takes more than a couple of minutes. So how long were they sitting there staring at this thing? Did they just wait until it got pitch black outside? This is another thing that bothers me. Did they just wait until it got pitch black outside to do another video? So there, it is there. You can see it on YouTube, all that stuff. It's almost completely pitch black. You hear some very quiet, panicked breathing. But when you consider the fact that they took a photo of this thing when it was still kind of light-ish out enough, how long would it take to go from that to pitch black nothing? At least, <laughs> at least a few minutes, right? 20, 30? So you mean to tell me he sounds that panicked and he's been standing there for that long? Okay, I, I buy that. I mean, you'd probably be frozen in place, right? Seeing that shit. Why didn't he take a video when it was still light enough outside? Why did he wait until it was pitch black? But I digress. I think Strange Places kind of made history <laughs> on this one. Why? Because after all my scouring, after all my homework, after all my research, I was the first person, the first person to take this video and analyze it. Nobody else has done it. I stabilized it. I upped the brightness, the contrast, the sharpness, added some embossing just to see what was on that footage. And very quickly, very quickly realized why I was the only one that's ever done it. <laughs> There's probably been a lot of people that have done it, but no one's ever released it. I understand why. The photo gives me more. And the photo is nothing impressive anyway. I'm telling you guys, <clears throat> I did everything to this video. Everything. I embossed it. I upped the brightness and the contrast. I put every filter I could think of just to bring anything out. And there's nothing. There's nothing. This is 2016. What kind of phone did this kid have? Either he's using a potato phone or he's using a not-so-great phone, decent phone, but it's zoomed in all the way. And I just felt like screaming to the heavens when I saw this. You know, ladies and gentlemen, if you see a cryptid, I don't care how far away it is, okay? I don't care how far away it is. I don't care how much of it you want in the shot. Do not zoom on the camera. Don't zoom. Let the people analyzing the footage do that. You want as clear a piece of footage as humanly possible. 
And when you use those cell phone zooms, man, you're just losing that picture quality by the second. Don't do it. And that's what it looks like this was. This looked like a super zoomed in video on a really crappy camera. And even with the enhancements that I did, I can't really point out anything. You see the glowing eyes. You see hints of splashing water around its waist or where its waist would be. It is moving. It's walking or floating towards the front. I mean, I have to fill a lot of this in because it's pitch black. And I can't make out the shape of the creature. I can't make out its head shape. I can't do anything. The only thing that's really discerning, that's really obvious in that footage is when the, the, at the very end, the creature, this video is only 30 seconds long or so, the creature turns its head. It, but it, it turns its whole body to turn its head. Kind of like Batman. You know, just think of Batman. You know, Michael, Michael Keaton had to turn, right? He had to turn his whole body. And that's kind of like how this creature did. Now, granted, I don't think frogs have neck joints you know, in the real sense. But it, it, it's, a, it's a weird movement. It doesn't look like, you know, granted, I'm trying to um, compare. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to make apples and apples when we're dealing with a creature that may not exist at all. And then again, I don't know. I'm not an expert on frog and toad anatomy. But... This looked like the movement of somebody in a suit. This didn't look like the movement of a real living creature. It didn't have that smoothness to it. It didn't have that. It just didn't. It wasn't CG for sure. I ruled that out. It was not CG. Whatever was in that footage was actually there. But was it a dude in a suit? Was it a guy with bunched up clothing and reflective things on his head? I don't know. The footage is that bad to where I cannot tell. Now, as far as the photograph, <clears throat> the photograph is um, a little bit clearer, a little bit brighter, but it's still grainy as hell. <laughs> Let me see if I can look up uh, more of a blown up version of this. Yeah, there's no enhancing I could do to this thing. It is so grainy. It doesn't look like a frog to me. It looks like... It, I hate to say this. I hate to propagate this. Especially when it may not be this thing. But you know what it looks like to me? It looks like those mantis extraterrestrials that people have been reporting. Especially lately. The mantis greys. The ones who are bigger. More menacing. Who seem to be not as hive-minded. Because that's a big theory with the greys. You know, is that... They're kind of drone creatures, like a honeybee hive or, you know, worker bees or whatever. And it's these larger mantis-looking insectoid greys that seem to be the ones that have a true level of sentience. A slightly squatter one, squ you know, squatty-looking one, but that's what it looks like. It doesn't look like a frog. It looks like a mantis. The eyes are in completely the wrong place. But... You know, it's cryptozoology for you. Does this thing exist? Does it share similarities with any creatures that <clears throat> have existed? Well, there was a frog in the, uh, let, me, let me see here. Yeah, there it go. There we go. Found it. There was an estimated four and a half to five foot bipedal frog who could walk on all fours, 
Just let the arms hang like a T-Rex, right? But there was a primarily bipedal frog that was that big in our history. These things existed. Is there one still left? There's a lot of things about this story that scream, scream hoax to me. Everything about it just doesn't add up. And I mean everything. Let's unpack this thing, right? That's the one thing that I really wanted to get to with this Loveland Frogman thing. And it's a great story. It's a fascinating story. I really, I, I like this one. It's not Bigfoot. It's not Nessie. It's not all the same crap that we always hear about. Giant frog? I'm like, hell yeah. Cool. It's, it's odd. It's bizarre. So there's a lot of things about this. Uh, see, uh, this is challenging what I say about debunking. What is debunking? Debunking is proving, proving that this story is not real, that this thing does not exist. Proving fakery or providing absolute 100% proof that this thing never existed. Can we do that? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Once we really unpack this bitch, we'll see. But I'm telling you, I'm not going to merit further study. There's just a lot of stuff that bugs me. Look at these three stories. They are so dramatically different. One of them says, oh, it's a, this kind of guy. Oh, it's a Bible salesman. It's a this, it's a that. Did they come out of the bridge? Did they jump on the guy's hood? Did they wave a magic wand around? What? You know what that sounds to me? That just sounds like old school Ohio legend, man. And Ohio definitely has its share. Of legends. <laughs> the frogman is not the only one. That's what it sounds like to me. A wives' tale, a story. Right? Because these wild yarns do that. The old lady was sitting on her porch as the spectral locomotive speeded past her house. There weren't even any train tracks there. The haunted locomotive that drives through town every once in a while. But then you hear it from another person. Little boy was playing outside, and he heard the spectral locomotive. He didn't see the translucent three-car train. He heard it, right? And then he asked somebody across town. Oh, no, it wasn't him, man. It was the local preacher. Yeah, you didn't hear about that? Man, yep, the tracks are still there, but the trains don't run there anymore. That four-car locomotive, man, just came cruising by. Wasn't even transparent. Looked like it was just real. You hear this stuff. That's what local legends sound like. And God bless them. That's their folklore. That, that happens. Where does it come from? I don't know. But it certainly didn't come, in my opinion, from what I'm seeing. It certainly did not come from a four-foot, five-foot frog. It's just not there. There's nothing there, man. Nothing. Was it the Hells Angels? Was it this? Was it that? Was it what? And then you have a cop. This is the only thing that gives it credibility for me. The only thing that makes me question things is because it was a police officer. Now, it's Neil deGrasse Tyson's argument, the whole UFO thing when they asked him. It's Neil deGrasse Tyson's argument that just because they're a cop does not give it any, any validity. Okay? Would you like to explain why, Neil? Because I think it does. I think that is the definition of validity. The very definition of it. A police officer's testimony in court means a lot. 
And I know it's cliche to say that it's a cop's job to observe. Well, it is. They're trained to look at things differently than we are. Right? They have to be on point all the time. So they, they could either save their lives when things go to shit or what have you. They're police officers. They operate in a different way than we do. Their reports mean a lot. So I beg to differ with you, Mr. Tyson. Just the fact that a cop made this report that he saw the frogman. But what happens immediately after that? Think about this. What happens immediately after he reports the frogman? Immediately. They send another cop out there. And he says, oh, yeah, I, I saw it too. Same road. Dude, dude, it, it was an iguana. No tail. Okay, where's the body? I, I, I don't have it. The story goes that the body of the iguana, it was just it started stinking in the car, started decomposing. And the thing was sick anyway. Grossed him out. Well, cool. Where's the meat and potatoes, man? Show me the iguana. I got a picture of it. Okay, where's the picture of it? Is that what you saw? Well, is that what you saw? Well, I mean, that, it could have been. Is that what you saw, officer who underranks me? You get what I'm saying? Are you reading between the lines, listeners? Yeah, it was an iguana. No tail. A sickly iguana. Did it stand up on its hind legs? Well, did it stand up on its hind legs, man? You see what I'm getting at? It's too convenient that a cop, another cop, <laughs> who outranked this guy comes along. He says, oh, I saw it too. Can't produce a body, but he can produce photos of an iguana on a road. <laughs> with no tail that anybody could have, re, you know, anybody could take that picture. Especially now, just photo Photoshop tail out of there, right? Is this what you saw? Is this what you saw? And he says yes, because he even told the media later, yeah, I said yes to the iguana story because I didn't want to be ridiculed. Are you kidding me? If you didn't want to be re ridiculed, why did you report it in the first place? Nothing about this story lines up. Nothing. And even though he's a police officer, I think he instantly destroyed his credibility, annihilated it. Because his, like I said, his observation means a lot. A cop's testimony is admissible in court. And he recants and says, uh, no, it was, it, was, it was just an iguana. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't, I, I just, and then he later, he says, you know, I just said that because I didn't want to be ridiculed. Well, make up your fucking mind, dude. <laughs> right? Make up your mind, man. You want to be ridiculed? You want to tell the truth? What is it? You keep flip-flopping. And I think the fact that he inadvertently, I'm not sure he even realized this himself, was that he inadvertently admitted he can't tell the difference between a five-foot frog and an iguana. Made himself look stupid. Would you purposely make yourself look out to be a damn idiot to save face, save your job, what have you, or to not look like a crazy person? It sounds to me, it's glaringly obvious, glaringly, come on guys, got to use some common sense here, which is what we do, right? We arrive at our conclusions, our verdicts. We look at things with some common damn sense, which is never used in the study of the paranormal these days. People want so much to the thing to be the thing. That they don't think. They don't use their heads. They don't look at the evidence right in front of them, black and white, clear as crystal. No uh, preconceived anything. Just look at it for what it is. 
and make your judgment based on common sense. You know what common sense tells me is that the cops tried to say, okay, this is ridiculous. Shut it down. This is stupid. Quit spreading these damn rumors. Word of the Frogman gets back out, becomes a, a thing, a tourist attraction, right? Right? <laughs> Isn't it weird that at the same time, the police officer who recanted his story and said it was, yeah, and it was an iguana, goes back about the same time. I'm talking within two years span of the first annual Loveland Frog Festival. He comes back and says, oh, yeah, it was a frogman. I was just saying that, you know, to save my job or whatever. Every, it seems like every time that this guy has a bit of credibility, he opens his mouth and destroys it. The story isn't, this isn't looking good. <laughs> then we have the Pokemon Go incident. You have a couple of teenagers who are out there playing Pokemon Go, trying to catch Pikachu. Not entirely uncommon. You just go out there whenever you can. They're teenagers, so they're not going to fucking sleep anyway, right? Boy and a girl. Guy and his girl. They're out there hunting for Pikachu. Still somewhat twilighty outside, so they see this thing in the water. They take a picture of it. I'm telling you, if you look at these photos and then you look at the video, it is at least bare minimum 20 minutes to a half an hour before until it gets that light to that dark. And then they decide to shoot some video. That's another thing that instantly baffles me. The video shows absolutely nothing. I've been to Loveland. I have been there. I slept in one of their little inns. I've been all over, man, everywhere. <laughs> it's like a Johnny Cash song. I've been everywhere, man. I have. I've been all over this beautiful country, man. And I've passed through Loveland. Area's really not that big. I promise you. I promise you. That if there was a four-foot bipedal frog out there, magic wand or not, this thing has been around since the 50s, right? They're seeing it in 2016. This thing has to produce sexually, right? So there have to be babies somewhere. If there's babies, there's poop somewhere. I'm not trying to be gross, but if there's poop, there's tracks. There's tracks. That... We don't have anything. The creature left a scratch on the rail as it ran away from the guy who was driving, right? The first story. Left a big scratch on the rail. We don't have a pressing. We don't have a photograph. This was the 50s. I know cameras were kind of expensive back then. Personal cameras, the smaller ones, but well, they were not impossible to get. Especially for a salesman, right? <laughs> Why do we, don't we have any pictures of the railing? Why don't we have any pressings of the railing? Why don't we have any casts of feet? Look at the teenagers. Yeah, they're teenagers, so what they saw probably spooked the hell out of them. The last thing that you're probably thinking, though, when you're walking around Loveland at night and you see a giant fucking amphibian, probably the last thing that you're thinking is, I got to get a foot casing. But you're going to think of it the next day, aren't you? Aren't you? And nobody, it seems like nobody, that didn't pop in anybody's head. I'm sorry, guys, but I smell hoax all over this thing. Uh, I wish it was real. <laughs> I really do. It's a cool story. It's one of my, it, it, it very quickly became like one of my favorite cryptids. I love it. It's a fascinating story. And it's going to keep Loveland in the public consciousness forever because they got their own cryptid now. 
But you would think that after all this time, more than just a couple of people would have seen a frog that huge. I'm telling you, Loveland is not a big area. Somebody should have seen it by now. Now, there's a theory floating around. Because you think of the magic wand thing. You, your, your brain, at least mine did, so tell me if yours did, immediately went to extraterrestrial, right? Because that people describe apparatuses like that during abduction experiences. They held a wand on my head. It sparked. I lost my memory. Whitley Strieber described the wand. Travis Walton described the wand. A lot of them did. Barney Hill described the wand. So I think that that's... Uh, this was the 50s, man. This was the big boom of that stuff. Saying a wand back then is almost guaranteeing your spot in the newspaper. But I'm not going to go anywhere with that because that's as far as we can go. But it seems very extraterrestrial, doesn't it? What gets me is I heard a in one of the documentaries, actually, about the Frogman, I, I heard this really cool theory that I'd never heard before. They said what cryptids could be is... These could be extraterrestrial beings or multidimensional beings, but instead of appearing how they really are, they would appear to people based on the area that they're from, the culture of the people there, as to not, you know, I, I, I don't know, as to ground it in reality, right? And, and as much as possible, if they were to be seen then they would become like a Sasquatch in the, in the, or the Yeti in the Himalayas, right? Or a frog creature, creature in the wet, nasty, muddy <laughs> Loveland, Ohio swamp areas, right? It kind of makes sense that they would project themselves based on what a human being would probably expect to see. What they're still going to see is pretty damn odd. But I thought it was an interesting theory. But as far as the Frogman goes... I'm sorry, guys. I smell hoax all over this thing. I it just it stinks to high heaven, and I'm gonna consider. I just if I can't merit further study, if I can't say this thing is proven, I have to say debunked. I have to. So, Loveland Frog, I'm sorry, my amphibian friend, but you are debunked. I there's just too much that I'm not even gonna say gives a bad taste in my mouth. It's it just straight up stinks. <laughs> so what's your opinion of the Loveland Frogman? Am I off base here? Did I miss one crucial detail, one important piece of evidence that would have blown this whole thing apart? Let me know. Go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social media links are there as well as a link to get to our Patreon account. All that jazz where you can get early episodes. Giveaways of certain tiers. That was my phone. Sorry about that. I thought I put it on silent. And check the uh, links in the description here. We got all kinds of stuff. Check out the you know, Patreon page, T-shirts. Support us if you can. It's not a price of admission, but uh, whatever you're listening to this on, check the description, and you'll see a link to the Patreon account. Get you Strange Places T-shirt. Every every little bit that you can do, if you have the means, is very, very much appreciated. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson. I really appreciate you guys. And yeah, I'll see you on the next episode, okay? Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day, we'll visit yours.
The Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men and their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience. <laughs>